0: Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the People Still Read Books podcast. I am Will Leach, somehow remaining the host of this podcast as it enters the delicate years of episode 7. It is election week and we're going to talk about the election I'm sure you're very excited about that. But really, we're talking less about the election and more about uh, the way that the world of politics and also sports, I might argue, have changed during the Trump years. Assuming this is the end of the Trump years, maybe. We'll see. With Mark Leibovich, he is a staff writer for the New York Times Magazine, head political writer. Fancy title over there. He also wrote a book a couple years ago called Big Game which was about the NFL. He also wrote This Town, about Washington, D.C., and uh, he is a terrific writer and reporter. I would argue one of the best profile writers working in the country right now. And he's also a friend of mine. And we had a lot to discuss. He felt like the ideal person to talk to during this particular moment in time uh, for our election show, because, again, the election is a week from today when this runs on Tuesday, uh, November 3rd. Hopefully you are voting and uh, or will vote if you have not voted. I have voted. I got my sticker, so that's done. But uh, we're gonna take a week off after for election, just because I don't know what's gonna happen. I might need to chill out for a little bit, but we're we'll gonna be back with shows after that. Uh, the the next week we have a bunch of shows lined up after that. But but to me, uh, it really felt like talking to Mark Leibovich, uh, who is a great great guy. And uh, really knows politics about as well as anyone has a, I would argue, uh, both hopeful and cynical viewpoint of them, that uh, tends to hit in my particular strike zone. Uh, he's a perfect guy to talk to. Uh, Big Game is a is a great book about the NFL. This Town is a, I think, just a terrific book uh, about the world of politics. And uh, he chats with me. So remind you as always, uh, email me peoplestillreadbooks at gmail dot com. Follow on Twitter at Still Read Books. Send me people you want to talk to. Give us a review. We need reviews. It helps people find uh, this show. So give us a review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Uh, I don't know if they do spot reviews on Spotify. I don't think they do. But you can, of course, also listen to this podcast there. But otherwise, uh, good luck. We'll be back after the election. I think this is a meaty enough episode to hold us off. Uh, definitely watch it. Read, listen to it before the election, uh, because uh, afterward, you might not want to leave the house. So I guess you can't. There's a pandemic anyway. Also, I should warn you for some reason, my recording echoes, but Mark's doesn't. I blame Mark. So you're going to want to listen to more of what he says in this interview than I do. So listen to him. But occasionally I uh, sound, whoa, whoa. whoa. If it bothers you too much, I understand. But this is the only way I could have the interview. So Mark sounds fine. I don't. So bear with us both. We're really just me. Here is the great. Mark Leibovich, I, I am delighted. delighted? Yes, yes, I would, I would say, say delight, delight is the is word the I would use here to talk, to talk with, with my old. when I say friend? I feel like, I feel like anyone I that I've so. talked to. I think so. I would consider nothing you a friend.
1: Nothing uh, but a positive. Nothing but positive impressions.
0: Exactly. We have. We have not. We have no uh, damage has gone on between us. There have been no fisticuffs no. or uh, or ballywicks. Uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark Leibovich. Writer, uh, a great writer for New York Times Magazine, author of uh, three, three terrific books, though two we're going to focus on, on. Mm. Uh, which is the last, most recent one, the Big Game, the NFL in Dangerous Times, and then uh, the one before that, This Town. Uh, you are a political. Uh, I remember I talked to you. I had you on my old, uh, my old, now canceled. Can you cancel an hmm. online show? I don't know if you can absolutely.
1: It. Now is this the Sports Illustrated thing?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now it wasn't so much that my show was canceled, as mm. much as Sports Illustrated imploding as a brand. Yeah, really But uh has. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, but nevertheless uh, uh, no, offense no offense to the journalists. To the journalists there's that there's people good there. people there. That's yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah. But, uh, yeah. We requisite the good.
1: There's good people there. Disclaimer right there. Yes, yes exactly. exactly. Always going to do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh,
0: not the executive, executive suite, suite but uh, no the, uh, yeah, on, on the, the ground. ground. Anyway, anyway, so so, uh, uh, so, uh, so uh, we talked. So we we were talking about big game then, and I'm curious because you know first off we'll talk about the business of books, but I'm curious. We though you know, the th- one of the things, things I, I loved about, about your book about, about the game was it, it really seemed to capture the specific, specific moment, moment and, and uh, uh not and only the nfl and nfl, NFL ownership, ownership but also so even its, its connection, connection to trump, to trump and, and kind of like this kind of like like the like like, 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 you, like, you you your analogy of almost like these, these roman senators, like, senators all just like all the all these uh kind of people i'm curious in a world now like everything has changed with the pandemic the nfl has changed in the pandemic do you feel as, as, a, as a fan of the, the NFL, NFL. Uh, are you, are as, you invested as invested in it? Do you do feel you like, feel the, like world the world you captured, captured still exists still or has it become, become more stark in that way? Or, or I'm is, curious, uh, 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 what do you think yeah. the pandemic think has changed about the, about the NFL, NFL and even the, the NFL's, NFL's kind of connection, connection to politics?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it has changed in some fundamental ways. I mean, first of all, I think possibly of all the sports, I mean, maybe not baseball, but certainly all the sports, I, I think football suffers a great deal from the lack of fans. Um, because football is spectacle, just like Trump is spectacle. Just like Trump couldn't exist without his crowds, without his rallies, and and you know now he's putting God knows how many thousands of people at risk by continuing to hold them. But you know football is is just has always been kind of straddling um, the line between just this very old conservative mindset embodied by the owners and the plantation owners to use the sort of crude. Um, analogy that that gil Brandt used to use the uh the general manager at the dallas cowboys and and sort of trying to be quasi maybe even um kind of cosmetically progressive given the african-american workforce and and just sort of where the culture is going but no i don't know i i'm football feels not dead in like in a long existential sense, but this is just kind of a dead year. I mean, I don't, there's great football. I mean, football remains like the best TV sport by far, but um, I I feel like, you know, the owners particularly are, they've been exposed to some degree, but they still are in charge. Um, You know, I think that, that it would be really interesting to see if the NFL players really did try to flex some of their social change muscle in the way that the nba players did and and sort of see what would happen because you know the league has sort of caved on on kneeling and and they're trying to say all the right things but they're also terrified of scaring um their their white republican suburban season ticket holders so i don't know i mean i think the dynamic is is ever evolving but i think it feels very much of the trump years and um you know, maybe naively, I think that we're going to next year when the pandemic is hopefully over, um, you know, maybe we have a new administration. It, there will be a fresh start in which, you know, people actually, um, you know, maybe mingle just sort of good faith and goodwill and maybe even some love with whatever social change comes out on the bottom of, at the at the end of all this, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, no. Yeah, and humor I'm me re- if it does. No, I'm, I'm,
0: of course, that, that made sense. Good mm-hmm. points. Um, no, I, uh, one thing I thought, I wrote a piece for New York Magazine when Goodell made that video um, right. the, uh, where he actually said the words Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And to me, it, first of all, I didn't watch that and be like, wow, what a change of heart Roger Goodell's had. Good for him. Yeah. To me, it was more about him recognizing not only the moment that was happening, but perhaps more to the point, the weakness of Trump. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, felt it felt to me yeah. like, you know, Goodell, Goodell kind of famously kind of famous and, and, all and all the owners, owners they all they, – they, you know, there's that, that famous uh, uh, meeting they, they had, had in, in the, the Times, reported report, report or, about or The Times, Times where they all kind, they kind, all got kind of got, got to go, like, how we're are we going to deal with this Trump problem? Right. How are we going to deal right. with exactly. all of this? And it felt like – them looking, him looking, him looking at, Trump at Trump and saying, "You know you what? This, this is, is going to upset, upset you, you but mm-hmm. I don't I have to have worry about, about you much anymore. Right. I think you're I, not going to be a, a problem, problem for me." And it's it funny yeah. because yeah. one of the things I love about your book so much is it really it it, it, it make it points out that the NFL even before Trump, has always always felt like like a very very Trumpian league. It's always felt of that regard. Do you You think – like, is there a world world where – like, obviously, obviously there's Jerry Jones Jones doing the the disingenuous shitty grin uh, uh, kneeling thing. But is there a world where there is an NFL – whether not like the NBA, who, by the way, may even be retreating a little bit considering some of the the issues going on there. But is there a world where Roger Goodell and the NFL owners, as currently constituted, can exist in a world that has not only not – that doesn't doesn't have have Trump Trump anymore, anymore, but is in fact, fact most most likely going going to react very negatively against against Trump type -type things. things. And it's it's going to want to clean clean up up its act. act I
1: I would hope, I mean, I think the most likely scenario would be that that happens without Roger Goodell. I mean, I I think, I think Roger Goodell probably pushed himself as far as he possibly can. And, And I don't, I mean, when he made that Black Lives Matter thing, the matters thing, I mean, on its face, it seemed kind of lame because my predisposition on the NFL, especially related to Goodell, is that, that something lame is going to come out of him. But I actually found myself oddly moved because yeah. he was making such a, it was kind of a lame effort, but it actually seemed like a sincere lame effort. Um, One, one sort of breed of both executive, CEO, um, And also politician I've sort of come to know is the son of the really principled like politician who actually did take a stand So Roger Goodell's, you know, father was a US senator He was kind of a maverick Republican who was the first or one of the first, you know, big-name Politicians who turned against the Vietnam War and he got on the wrong side of Nixon and basically lost his reelection campaign because the White House the Nixon's White House um, You know basically declared war on him Um, and I always sensed that, that Roger Goodell just kind of wanted to do the right thing. He kind of wanted to be principled like his dad, but he couldn't, he, he just didn't have either the power or the authority or the character to do it. And that moment struck me as him trying at least as well as he could to kind of be on the right side of sort of small age history. Um, and, you know, it reminded me a little bit of, um, I remember when Mitt when Mitt Romney had his impeachment vote, right? I remember? Uh, I guess it was January, February. But um, well, you there? You, you there? Well, I think. Yeah, I'm with
0: you.
1: Yeah, no, I just remember. So Mitt Mitt Romney's father was also a maverick Republican in the '60s. He was governor of Michigan. He was really really big on civil rights. He also was a big enemy of Nixon, um, and took a whole lot of heat for it. And you know, so Mitt Romney you know, decided after being kind of seen as a feckless flip-flopping opportunist for most of his career, um, decided that, you know, maybe now it's okay at my stage in life or at this moment in history or, you know, at my age or whatever to actually be the person that maybe my dad would be proud of. And, um, I don't know. So there is that kind of strain of, of kind of wasp or kind of patrician son who was kind of haunted by his father's example um that I, that sort of it, it was remin- reminiscent a little bit of that but again though no, i don't i think as far as moving the league forward um it's everything is kind of on hold i think until We see what the election brings and also you know when the pandemic clears up because what's weird about this time is that no one really knows what it's all going to look like on the other end i mean i think we all sort of agree that there will be another end i mean it will this will eventually end um by that i mean trump and the pandemic but there is a sense that that there will be great change on the other side and it will look quite different and no one really knows what they what what how they're going to fit into it you know you know
0: it's fascinating fascinating to me and and, and i I I want to talk about... about One thing, One thing you said very interesting, interesting uh, that I'm actually writing about for New York Magazine next week, next week which, which is, is about, about the idea. The idea uh, I talked talk to an administrator at like mm-hmm. a major, major college, college, like a, okay. like a, yeah, like, like and, and, who, uh, um, told um, me, he said, he said listen, listen, um, if, if Trump, Trump wins, wins the election, election I, don't I don't think there's going to be sports for a month, at least. Interesting. And I found kind of interesting, right? And uh, and I, and, I, and think I think there may, may be something, something to that. Said, now, now we don't have to talk about, about the idea of, of Trump, Trump winning Trump or not. yet. Yeah, 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 we'll get, get into my panic part of the podcast right. later on. But, are, but well, I do I feel, feel like that's, like that's interesting, interesting because you know, I uh, to, to me, me, what what, what was strange about the NBA protest. Was it, was it was like it was, it was unprecedented. unprecedented like it was, it was really it was just something we had not seen it, 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 it because so many things are happening this year something yeah. massive yeah. like that can happen and you're just like whoa and then this like some yeah. other crazy yeah. shit happened 24 hours and you right. kind of moved on it but it really is like a truly incredible thing that before a playoff game a team said no we're not playing and it went to all these other like baseball had like a bunch of yeah. games canceled like it's really yeah. kind of remarkable but it is also worth <laughs> noting I I like like okay, so they they got got some some arenas arenas that were opened for mm -hmm. early voting. Yeah, uh, which is great. Which is not nothing to be very clear. Yeah, but But it it doesn't feel like it felt like they came back pretty quickly. But (laughs) like it (laughs) doesn't feel like there was like a ton of real pressure put on. And I wonder about that. To me, my theory is if Trump wins, and again, we'll get to the idea of that (laughs) happening. That (laughs) feels like in the world of sports, like a truly. Revolutionary, revolutionary then absolutely. there might there not might be not sports be. for for a long time i mean i i think so
1: and especially if i mean look i, I think it'd be very different if it looks like he, he if it's contested which I, I it's hard to think that he could win a fair election in a way that is not controversial like like i'd be shocked if you know we woke up on november 4th or november 5th or whenever and um, you know, he won the popular vote by, yeah. you know,
0: I mean, it was just—it's it, it, like Bush Carrier or something. Yeah, it's like, it, like, it, not it, exactly. a blowout, but he wins, it, it, right. right?
1: Exactly. I mean, that just seems unlikely. So I think, you know, if there is some sense that he is stealing it, um, that is, that, that I mean, I, you know, who knows what could happen? I mean, what what's amazing is uh, the protests over the summer, which were massive and incredibly um, both. Exciting and I think tumultuous and scary in their own way because no one knew where it was going. But that was in response to very specific incidents, right? And it was actually all kind of geared towards um, systemic racism, but also, you know, pretty specifically police brutality and police violence against African-Americans. Um, you know, this would be something even more widespread, but at the same time, an election's a process, right? I mean, <laughs> who knows, you know, how... But you're right, though. I mean, it, it's like sports would be seen as, like, the normal kind of um, normal, uh, what is it, transition of power, right? I mean, like, okay, so um, everyone's in court and everyone is, like, arguing about whether whether Biden won or whether uh, Trump won, but, you know, at least, um, you know, the Bills are playing the Jets tomorrow or whatever, this Sunday or whatever, so... Um, yeah I, I didn't even think of that though because yeah sports I think would in a way be the first canary in a coal mine to see sort of what social norms would prevail and I think the NFL given that they would be the they would be the league that's playing at that moment would be um in a position to do it and, and again it's a it's a pretty it's a very black workforce. Um, it hasn't been that radicalized yet, but, but certainly there have been, um, you know, there have been, there have been indications in the last year that that is to say much more willing to act, um, you know, union and and group of players than we had, you know, during Colin Kaepernick a few years ago. So yeah, we'll see. It's like one of the many, many unknowns that we're now living through like that literally will be resolved or at least sort of present themselves in the next two weeks.
0: So, so one, one thing, thing that kind of transitioning over the Trump a little bit, one thing, thing I love about, about this town, town is it you know, it really it, it, it makes, makes a, a it makes, makes many arguments, argument. but I think, I think one, one of, of one of the things, things that I, I think it gets across really well is the idea, idea that, that like there are I wouldn't call it a deep state, but right. I would say that like there is a clear culture in Washington D.C. of people right. on every political angle that all know each other. Yep. All kind of, I'm curious. Has that changed? Like, did, how much did Trump blow that up, or did it? Blow, did he blow that up?
1: That's a great question. I mean, to in a, to me, I mean, that's a question that if I do another book, I will I will try to answer. I mean, I think. To some degree, I mean, this town was an incredibly cynical book, but it had the luxury of being cynical in a fun kind of way, right? I mean, I think one of the reasons it worked was that it was just – I tried to be funny because I, I i don't – I mean, I just wanted to be bipartisan in a way that like these – a lot of these people like deserve to be laughed at and this world deserves to be laughed at. But um, – Trump could have blown it up. I mean, I think one of the reasons he was so successful is that he ran against a Washington that, that was portrayed in that book, which is that everyone was kind of in on the same deal. It was a big scam. It was a big rigged system, which, you know, basically Donald Trump's message of 2016 was somewhat similar to Elizabeth Warren's message of 2020, which is that, you know, it's a rigged system. Now, obviously, they're very different politicians with different um, agendas and, and different hearts, but it was also... I mean it was the same kind of deal that like look this is a system arrayed against you um yeah i think trump just sort of saw it as a message he saw it as an advertising proposition i mean i don't think he really meant it because he came in and he absolutely leveraged the worst of the swamp and turned it into his own kind of version of like a gold-plated hot tub right i mean (laughs) the the swamp has been totally trumpified i mean you walk around washington these days where, where i live it's and it's just I mean, people are as rich as ever, even, I mean, during, I mean, obviously the pandemic it's like as much a ghost town as any major city, but at least coming into this year and the expectation is even beyond this year when this turns around, it's a very affluent city. People are doing really well and, when the government's spending a lot of money as it is now and certainly will going forward when there's you know whatever this relief package looks like um there's going to be a ton of money to be earned and and look but right now it's all very trump flavored so trump in his own way exposed the fecklessness of the political class um, and then he kind of, I wouldn't say he perfected it, but he just sort of did a crude version of it in which he would abuse all kinds of power and topple all kinds of norms and, um, sort of just make the, the kind of grotesqueness of this town into kind of a Trump, you know, production that God knows who was profiting from. So, um, he certainly didn't blow it up, although he could have, he actually could have, I remember like on election night, 2016, I was trying to convince my friends for like a day who were really distraught. That you know, this actually could be good. This actually could blow up the one world. You know, everyone bipartisan and on the same deal kind of game of Washington, and he actually might really shake this up in a way that that kind of is positive. Uh, I gave up on that maybe after two days when it was clear like what he was about and that there was no pivot coming, but um yeah and and i'm not sure joe biden is the solution to that either but i think right, right now i mean the election will be sort of turning on normalcy and how badly people want to return to it and and how they define normalcy
0: one of the One things about, about Trump, Trump, I think, I think uh, everybody, everybody has a thing has a about Trump. Trump. If you yeah. really hate Trump, Trump, if you have a problem, yeah. like mm-hmm. some people, people, like like uh, like some people are repulsed by his misogyny. Some people are repulsed by the bullying. Some people are repulsed by the corruption. Everyone like he's he's a full service kind of buffet of whatever you want. But for for me, the thing that has always hit me the most is. Frankly, the the dumbness, dumbness of it. Right. <laughs> like, there's exactly. something about uh, about yeah, the idea that like, know, like it's, it's funny it's you funny see this all, this all with like, like the Lincoln, Lincoln Project, Project people, people and everyone and all, and all, people and, all and like you know, like there's, like, a, there's a, a clear, clear understanding, understanding. Like, like I don't, don't know if the Lincoln, Lincoln Project, Project people and like like there's I saw the bulwark of this piece but like there's a James Carville piece next to a Stuart Stevens piece and and they're all like all together but it seems to me the thing that they really have in common is that they think Trump and all of his people are stupid. Yeah. And and, yeah, and I'm one. I guess yeah, that's, that's kind of that's what, what I'm asking, asking about, about yeah. Uh, yeah. even in the town a little bit. Like, like the idea, like yeah, yeah. There's a lot of corruption and there's, and there's a lot of chumminess. Of but, there but there did, did seem, seem to be at least, at least a panita, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Oh, but yeah. uh, of yeah. the, idea, the idea, of, like, idea that like there, there are actual, actual professionals, professionals and experts, experts here who are in charge, whether it's politics, whether it's science, whether it's whatever it is. And to me, that that that's the thing that that bothers me the most. And to me, feels like the thing that's been most dramatically changed. There's always been corruption. There's always been sexist pricks. There's always been racist. Yeah. but the, but the idea, idea that like that like, that, like, like oh you could just, just be stupid, stupid <laughs> and and win uh, to, to me, me has been, been uh, uh, and the and, and, and not only that but you see like all like, like the opportunists who, who have come in the, the wake lake, your Clay Travis's your Clay Travises, Travises, Jason yeah. Whitlocks or who or are just like, like oh. I'll just, just be stupid and appeal to, to, stupid, appeal to stupid people and, stupid and win that way. Yeah. And I don't want to, and and, and yeah. I feel like a lot of people are afraid to say that. They don't want to come oh no. This. Yeah, but like yeah. I I feel, I feel like, like it's it, to me it feels, feels like, like one of the, the absolute, absolute major, major changes change. of the last years.
1: Com- Completely. I mean that that's actually the single worst part of the Trump story which is nothing about it makes you smarter and nothing about it makes you happier. I mean it, the and the other thing is the, the the single most depressing thing of, of all, I think, is that you know basically much of the elected Republican Party, um, all of whom know better, um, have turned themselves into Clay Travis. I mean, so you're you're sitting in Georgia, so you know Kelly Loeffler, right? Who, right. you know, pretty well educated. She you know she has a business on Wall Street. I mean, she's she's a presentable you know, affluent woman, right. Who obviously knows better and you see what kind of campaign she's running. I mean, she thinks, and and maybe she's right. I mean, she thinks that that's how you, um, get elected as a Republican in even a pretty fast changing state like Georgia. But, but basically one of our two major parties has largely been given over to, to that too stupid. And, and like, it's really, it's kind of sad to watch. And, you know, it's also easy to be cynical about the Lincoln project and all of these sort of, um, Sort of anti-Trump Republican pundits who have made nice, you know, names for themselves over the last few years. But I, I really do think I, I actually have enjoyed watching that because it's a bizarre thing that that these consultants who you would never consider to be, um, you know, these beacons of virtue, have actually been the ones who have stood up. I mean, I think some of the most eloquent sort of testimonials to American. Um, to to just the American way and American values have come from conservative columnists or conservative um, even operatives that I would never have thought to, to really look to for any great wisdom, you know, five, six years ago. So, I don't know, it's bizarre that the people who actually... Are you know we're kind of seen as parasitic horrors in some ways. Like before, are the ones who have not only stepped up, but I think you know added some really fresh ideas and fresh thinking and really cool ad making to this. Now, granted, Trump gives you a lot of material and 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 you know gives you a lot to work with, but. Um, you know, I, th- I think that, that strange bed can be oddly edifying in some ways. And, um, you know, it's easy to be cynical when you see Stuart Stevens and, and James Carville sort of you know, locking arms and stuff. But, you know, look, I, they're better than Kelly Loeffler. They're better than <laughs> they're better than, uh, you know, a lot of people who I think will look back on this age and, and hopefully have regret and hopefully will be scorned.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I, will I will say, say I, I think, think that that's the hope so is everyone, not hope, I, I don't want to say hope, hope that, that I want to see people suffer. But like, there like, does, does feel like, like a, a, if, if this, this goes, goes the way that it looks like it like, might, we'll get into that in a moment. moment. Yeah. Um, it, it does, does feel, feel like, okay, say, you, don't you don't get, get to come back in polite society. I hope not.
1: I mean, I've you know i seen many people try and succeed to come back in polite society. And there's always a gig, right? I mean, you know, media might be dying in some ways, but there's always, especially in media. I mean, but there's there's always someone to give you a gig, and anyone can anyone can do a podcast, right? Anyone, anyway, um, any, any, any schmuck, any schmuck can do a podcast. But you know, uh, I would hope not. I really would hope not. And um, you know, but we'll see. But it's just, I, it's it's going to be hard to look at certain people um, after this is all over and. You know, ever take them seriously again? I
0: I, I do think that's interesting, interesting about your books. Book one of, one of my, my, my second book, book uh, uh, my third book, excuse me, was "God Save the yeah. Fan," which was, a, uh-huh. and I was uh-huh. so, when, so when I was doing spin and it was it's it still, still my like my best selling book, book uh-huh. but uh-huh. It, is, like, it is like so, so, so dated. Yeah, no, this <laughs> one is definitely dated. Yeah, like the first paragraph, the first because it's a series of essays, and some of them still pretty hold up. But like, like literally one of the first essays is the premise of it is essentially well. Gilbert Arenas shows us more of who he is as a person than LeBron James. So clearly we'll be talking about Gilbert Arenas more in the next 20 years. So obviously that hasn't worked out. But uh, the premise was sound. I'm convinced the premise was sound. Absolutely.
1: In the moment. Uh,
0: but, but I, but I'm curious about this. Like, both of your books are capturing, capturing I think, think very, like, like, I was experiencing the times that, times that were going on when you wrote them. So I know that you captured that very well. well. But I'm, I'm curious, curious like, now, does it make you want, you want to want go to write another, another book real fast? Just, just to make sure that, okay, now I'm going to capture this moment.
1: Um. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, moment chasing is like a peril of like, like the author, right? It's like, you know, I remember like someone said, can you put like what your book is about in like two paragraphs just so we can put out some release. I forget what book this was. And I said, uh, yeah, the publisher offered me this much money and now I have to write a book. That's what the book's about. Um, so no, I don't normally think like that. I'm not usually that mercenary, but it was my glib response. Um, yeah. I mean, it, look, it's <laughs> quite a few trees or virtual trees or whatever trees pixels grow on um, have died and will die over, you know, what this what this means. Right. And, you know, publishing. I mean, one sort of, I guess. For now, at least, um, fertile, you know, pocket of, of of publishing is is politics and Trump and whatever this has meant, you know, campaign books and so forth. I mean, I think it's it's a glut. I don't think there'll be that many that'll be remembered. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, it is tempting because I mean, you do feel like like I remember. Um, remember after 9-11, I forgot who it was who said this, but it was some TV company. Maybe it even been like Ted Koppel, who I think was still working then. Um, he said like a couple days after, you know, I don't ever remember an event that's so th- thoroughly separated today from yesterday. Like the world right now is so different than it was before those planes went into the buildings. And the, the, in a way, it's – I mean, the Trump years are so – just. they just, like, cause such a separation, such a wall from anything, you know, before 2016 or 2015 or something like that. And, um, you know, again, to sort of going to what we were talking about before, I mean, the, the problem is a lot of it's just boring. A lot of it is just boring. I mean, it's boring for all the same reasons. Like, ooh, it's just so titillating. But, again, like, this is not a story that has moved um, – intellectually forward very, very seamlessly. But I think, you know, what's interesting about it is what social, what social movements sort of emerge in response and, and what political movements and, you know, and how the country reacts to this. And, you know, we've sort of had some clues as to how it is reacting or will react or has reacted over the last few years. But like, there's no question it's been, it's been a really tough road.
0: Okay, I have one more question about your books before I ask mm. to make sure that we can all uh, be reassured in the next. No, I'll reassure. Plus, that. yeah, an thank, I'm here you, for thank you, thank you. That's that's uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, Jim Newell writes for Slate. Yeah, sure. Constantly, he's and he's great. He's an old I know awesome back name. in the Gawker days, and, uh, and he wrote this great piece before 2016, being like, panic. It's literally the most productive thing you can do right now. It's to panic. Don't uh, you, you don't get to be soothed. You're supposed to be panicked. Um, but more to the point, i uh, will ask you the, the reaction to you writing a book in the, about the world of sports. And writing about the book about the world of politics. One of my favorite subplots of big game is because you are a political reporter and not yeah. one of those, you know, uh Adam yeah, Schefter NFL people they see all the time. Yeah. Uh you get like this kind of act, like you're like almost like like the the premium Like the premium. Oh, yeah. I go
1: on Morning Joe. You think Peter yeah. King goes on Morning Joe? No way.
0: <laughs> exactly. But I what's funny that is like I'm curious in the re like what it you know, the political uh Culture, like like if I wrote a political book, I would like Morning Joe would be a place I would really really want to get booked on. That's something yeah, that, would, sure. that would that, would, that would be important to me. But yeah. if I wrote a sports book, I, maybe if it was about Alabama, maybe yeah. I'd have a chance. But yeah. uh, but on the whole, but I'm curious, what did you find in the promotion and the release of those books? The difference between maybe the political ecosystem and yeah. the sports, the sports ecosystem, ecosystem, or were you, you mostly just do doing, political shows, doing political shows talking uh, talking about talking the sports? Book? I mean, I, I did po- I did
1: political shows talking about sports because I mean, in in some ways. I mean, that, that was the that was a low hanging fruit for me because, you know, I knew all the bookers. It's I knew high them. High and, high. and, you know, I could sort of pitch like a Trump angle. And then I would talk mostly about football. Oh. Um, but also, I mean, it's a pretty male dominated world. I mean, they anyone can sort of play it But I mean, that's sort of where the easy stuff was. I mean, getting booked on sports um, media was tough because in large part because everyone's in bed with the NFL. I mean, everyone's got these billion dollar agreements with them um you know espn pretty much wasn't touching me um you know because of disney um you know cbs i mean there was everyone was just terrified of pissing off the nfl and, and this was not a this was not a welcome book for the nfl and i pissed off a lot of owners which is fine but you know this is it's a much more um it's much more of a cabal in that way so that was hard but look i i was what was also interesting is that I, I managed to keep a lot of friends at the NFL kind of on the QT, like people at the league office kind of privately would say, well, look, uh, no one knows we're talking, but uh, this was hilarious. So, I, I mean, I got a lot of secret fan mail, which is always very satisfying, including from a, a few owners that um, I still keep in touch with. But, no, I mean, I, I did realize, I mean, I thought, you know, football, everyone loves football. Um, football books are tough because unlike baseball, unlike golf, unlike tennis, um, you know, football isn't a huge reading book. I mean, there have been – I mean, I think one of the best football books I've ever read, um, which is America's mm-hmm. Game by Michael McCambridge. You ever read that? Mm-hmm. Great book. Um, you know, it just doesn't – I mean, it doesn't have the footprint that like, you know, uh, what it takes or game yeah. change or anything. You know, so boy, yeah, you, or even, you know, even Boys, you
0: know, of, boys of, summer of Summer for like a baseball book.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. And, and again, now too, I mean, politics has just become – so pervasive not so much as a sport but just as a reality show I mean and that's sort of another great Trumpian contribution Um, although it started with you know it really started 20 years ago or even started with cable news and stuff but um, no but I mean there's a lot of the same muscles and and again it's, it's sort of you know, I mean, a lot of it's kind of a lot of the same types show up in in, in both worlds. And, um, you know, it's more fun to talk about football, but I also, it's easier to sort of get people engaged in politics because I, you know, I have like the quasi expert, um, <laughs> you know, the quasi expert um, cachet that, that people, I guess, for whatever reason, think that I have.
0: All right. So, so I, I, don't I don't want you to, to reassure me. Okay. But certainly. Uh, it is... It, this does not seem. Again, we don't know. I, I think I find it fascinating. Uh, I, I'm really particularly not a big Bill Maher person, but right. uh, he had this ongoing thing about a year ago, before even before the pandemic, when he would ask, like, "Hey," uh, he would ask, like, when Democratic politicians were on the on show, "Hey, what happens if Trump refuses to concede?" And their answer was always, "We just have to win by a lot." <laughs> and yeah. he eventually compiled all of these answers and said, "You know, that's not a great answer. It's really not." A right answer. Yeah. And, yeah. But is that is that That's still where we are? Like, like is, is that know, where the notion, it, it, it still, still feels, feels to me this close, like, I mean, a week yeah. and a half away. It still, it still feels that like the only way, way we're, we're getting, getting through this, this is <laughs> if <laughs> Isn't Maybe Georgia doesn't necessarily have to go. But oh, Georgia Florida would
1: basically does. do it. I
0: think, yeah, but like, would, I think it. would Florida do it? Like I feel like if Florida – Oh, absolutely. Early, no, no. Yeah. First of
1: all, East Coast, right? I mean Eastern time right. zone, polls close at a fairly reasonable hour, which I know Florida and North Carolina do. I'm not sure about Georgia. But um, yeah, I mean you could get a pretty decisive answer. Certainly with Florida and North Carolina, because, um, you know, Ohio is another early state. And, you know, it's, I say it's still pretty unlikely that Biden wins Ohio. But, um, you know, getting, you know, a, an early call for North Carolina or Florida would be huge for, for Biden. And I think it would make for very much, um, you know, it would, I mean, I do think that what's, what's interesting is, um, I mean, like a, a, an election theoretically should be as as. As empirical as it gets, right? It's just numbers. It's who has the most. But I do think messaging and like sort of getting out in front and like sort of creating a perception of victory is going to be important. And obviously the networks are going to have a huge amount of power about expectation setting and so forth. But, you know, George W. Bush in 2000, you know, had an incredible advantage just on the mere at the from the mere start that, that Gore actually conceded at one point, so even sort of psychically when the numbers started changing, he was sort of beginning from an assumption of, of sort of winning, and it was sort of the onus was on Gore, but... I don't know. I hate the Bill Maher thing. I mean, I hate the idea that like we have to even speculatively coddle to Donald Trump's you know, you know, cho- you know toddler. Like, oh, you know, we must convince him and everyone and all of his supporters that he really <laughs> lost. So, like, therefore, anything less than six percentage points not going to do. It. I mean, one, it's unfair, and two, it's stupid, and three, it's not going to. I mean, it, it, it's it's not like you're gonna going to assuage Donald Trump in in any way. I mean, he he is a handful. He's been a handful of these four years has been a handful his whole life. I'm sure he'll be a handful to, on election night and beyond, and probably, you know, with, even if he loses um, the presidency, you know, well into the future. But um, I don't know, man. I, I'm I think I'm as nervous as anyone else. But I also there was this Barack Obama line that you know when you're obviously when obviously when you're president you you get a lot of really scary scenarios thrown into your face. And he said, "Look, I'm not going to worry about the end of the world until the end of the world comes." and you know, I think like you and probably like most people, I've, I've, I've been exposed to a lot of really dark scenarios of what could happen and tanks in the streets and the Proud Boys coming after us and so forth and, um, you know, attacks on the media and, and whatever. Um, but, yeah, look, we'll see. I mean, it's uh, I, I obviously, you know, none of us know what's going to happen, but but there is there's reason to think that at least we'll be somewhat on the other side of this in a few
0: weeks. Fingers crossed. Fingers of course, crossed. the other okay. side
1: could be in flames. So
0: Yeah, yeah whatever. I mean, listen, uh, as someone that is for the first time living in a swing state, mm-hmm. like, I need this election to end one way or the other. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. We, I, so wait, are you, in, I, I, are you in Athens, right? I'm in Athens. I'm in yeah. Athens. So this is, I, we've actually had, like, Door knockers, Like we uh-huh. actually have Like I've had four Come to my door All yeah. Republican All very nice By the yeah. way All very all very friendly mm-hmm. There's they're very earnest Volunteers And they're very nice and, and generally I tell them That I'm not voting For the person That they want me to vote for And they're very nice And him. they pull out but, their
1: guns and, Yeah <laughs> Not
0: yet Not, not yet, yet uh, not, I'm, 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 When one shows up On Hawaiian shirt all Yeah the Things have changed yeah. A little bit uh, yeah. But yeah. It, 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 definitely, it's definitely the idea, idea I wrote a piece About this last week But like, like When my, my son, son came, came to me And said, said You know daddy Did you know that John Ossoff Is going to raise taxes On the middle class I was like Okay We need to (laughs) like stop this This needs to go away uh, right my now, okay. My last, last question, question I ask this, ask this of everyone on the show: hmm. uh, the, first the first book, uh, your is sister's "The Green Room," was I believe your first book. What did you do when you got the first copy of it? Did they send you a copy? Did they did? The, the, yeah. When you first got to hold it, what was that experience like when you really got it? Oh, it
1: was really nice. I, I love that. Was that's the best part? It's all downhill from there, right? <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah. You know, then the reviews come in and so forth. Now, I, I remember. Yeah, it came in a big box, um, probably like you know, fifty copies in it. I tore open the box and. Uh, yeah, it's a really nice thing to hold, to squeeze, to smell. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I, I remember, uh, I took a picture of it. I sent it to my mother and it was, um, it was really, uh, yeah, it was cool. It also looked really good. It's like, it also, you never, it's like when you see something three-dimensionally, it's always different than, you know, what it looks like when you see like the mock-up and what you see, it's on online and so forth. So very cool feeling. Um, and yeah. You know, arguably the best part. Certainly better than writing it and certainly better than... Actually, no, that's not true. I mean, in retrospect, once you've seen that, like, you haven't blown yourself up and, like, you haven't been, you know, any number of terrible things haven't happened. You have I
0: had that, that interview where someone says, hey, I couldn't help but notice that the entire premise of your book is go- is wrong. And then it goes away. and then the book <laughs> Yeah,
1: who bumps. was that? There was someone... Uh, it was, was that a...
0: Naomi Wolf? I feel like yeah, Naomi a... Wolf. Yeah. She was in
1: yeah. England, right? And there was some... Yeah. Uh, that's the, the nightmare
0: scenario. That is definitely oh, the nightmare utter
1: nightmare scenario. <laughs> yeah, no, it's that that was bad. No, that that has never happened to me. Knock on, okay. knock on whatever version of Zoom this
0: is. So. <laughs> All right, well, uh, sir, well, thank you for uh, not assuaging my fears. But again, as Jim Newell points out, panic is good. Use I, panic. Use, it, use fear.
1: That's great. Yeah, no, I I'm going to use fear. And and look, I I um, this is when I sort of. What I want to say is, hey, I'm an optimist by nature, but I'm not, so I won't say it. Um, I
0: I, I am, and I'm starting to feel like an idiot for it. You know what? We'll see uh, what happens.
1: Lou Gorman, the former general manager of the Red Sox, uh, Royals, Mets, Mariners, a number of teams, used to say, the sun will rise, the sun will set, and I'll have lunch. (laughs)
0: Well. Well, at least I will take that as a bare minimum. I, I have no <laughs> idea
1: what it means, but it just, I it just came to I've, mind. Well.
0: I have two of a third grader and a first grader having virtual schooling in my oh. house right now. <laughs> I haven't had lunch in months. Yeah. <laughs> That's <It's, it's>, <laughs> wonderful. One day actually. we will
1: all have lunch again and New um, York will open up and we will meet there. <laughs> yeah. Or all right, I'll get Martin, down to
0: Georgia. Yes, yes. Well, We'll see. We'll see. We'll uh, see. Mark Mitch, thank you so much. It is always an, it is a delight and honor to get to talk to you every time. Good luck to you and yours. Please, everyone, stay safe and stay sane through all of this uh, the best you can.
1: All the best you will. Thanks for having me on.
0: Of course. Be safe, everyone. This is the last, is the last show uh, until, until after, after the election. election so oh, for, for God God's sake. sake, hang in, hang in there, there, everybody. There, everybody. <laughs> we're going well, to well, make it I through this one way or the other, other. even if there, there is, is maybe, maybe no, no lunch. lunch. Be safe, everyone.